0: Hello and welcome to the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, editor in chief at iPhone Life.
1: I'm David Oberbach, CEO and publisher.
0: And today we have a special <laughs> guest. We have Hal Goldstein. He's the founder of iPhone Life. Thanks for joining us, Hal. Well, it's
1: my
2: pleasure, believe me. <laughs>
0: so, today we wanted to bring Hal on to tell the story of iPhone Life. He recently he's the author of The Meditating Entrepreneurs. Uh, how to Sorry, Meditating Entrepreneurs, How to Create Success from the Stillness Within. And he wrote a book and also worked with many other entrepreneurs to tell the story of the values behind their businesses. And he has a chapter dedicated to iPhone Life and the companies that came before iPhone Life, (laughs) (laughs) before it evolved into iPhone Life. So we wanted to have him come on and share his story with all of you. And uh, we'll have a second episode in a couple of weeks where we share how we come into the story, David and I. (laughs) Yeah, so this
1: is something a little different. We haven't tried this before. Those of you who have ever listened to How I Built This, we're going to try to kind of imitate that style a little bit because I I love that podcast. So this will be the story of how iPhone Life got started and actually the publisher, because we've been around long before iPhone Life, how that got started as well. It's, like Donna said, two episodes. So if this is your thing, then... Stick around if you want to skip it for more iPhone related content. We'll be back with our no, normal. We'll be talking about, we'll be the, talking about iPhone content.
2: Of, not only iPhones, but all the precursors to the iPhone. Yeah. All those other little devices. You know, the iPhone really wasn't the
1: first <laughs> <laughs> And we're still going to do our tip of the day and all that. So.
0: And part of what's fun about this episode is just reading through this chapter that Hal wrote about the company is that is you can see like the person behind the company like a lot of what we still do at iPhone life today and the values that we have here are because of how and so i think that's also similar to how i built this you see like kind of how a company came to be what it is and usually it's the people behind it that made it what it is so Absolutely. Yeah, i think yeah. that's one lot of the things
2: fun. i'm so happy about how the company has evolved since since i left full time is is uh, the dna the 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 integrity and the and the uh, Values are, are, are as good or ever they've ever been. So I, I'm just real
1: happy with you guys. We appreciate that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's start off with telling about our sponsor.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So our sponsor for today is Matthias. Uh, Matthias has a wide range of keyboards and they work for both the Mac, iPad, and iPhone. Uh, and they have Bluetooth keyboards. But today I'm going to tell you about the wired keyboard. So Apple has actually stopped. Making wired keyboards now. So Matthias basically took the ball and ran with it. It's an aluminum keyboard, just like Apple used to make. They have 10 keyless, they have ones with 10 key. I'm all about 10 keys. How about you? Oh, you have a 10 keyless.
0: How are you I liking it? I have that? Uh... I like it okay. Honestly, it wasn't a choice. My other, my other uh, keyboard, I like spilt water on, uh, and so I just found one in the office. So. Okay.
1: <laughs> so for those of you who are a little confused, the ten keyless, so that's the numeric keypad. Some have, it, some don't. <laughs> the nice thing is, it's even cheaper than Apple used to make it. It's fifty five dollars for the ten keyless, fifty nine for if you want the ten keys for the wired. If you want Bluetooth, you can get that. They have backlit. Really high quality keyboards. We all have them in the office. We love them. So make sure you check it out. We'll link to it in the show notes at iphonelife.com slash podcast.
0: And I personally really like having a wired keyboard because Mm -hmm. like the battery dying and just connection issues just drives me crazy. Yeah, I agree. So it's one of those like certain things I like wireless. For a keyboard, I personally like wires.
1: You know, I agree. But I will say one of the nice things about Matthias is I have a Bluetooth keyboard here and the battery lasts for a year. That's amazing. So you don't really need to worry about it too much, and so that is pretty nice.
0: Right. Okay, cool. So- you know, one of
2: the neat things is uh, now mm-hmm. you take things like wireless keyboards for granted. Uh-huh. But it was like such a big deal <laughs> when they first came out, you know, in the ni- late 90s. Such or late a game 2000s. changer. So yeah, yeah
1: yeah well, yes, he, that's true even the technology behind it bluetooth i remember yes, when bluetooth yes, yes. was just a and it was so, new emerging technology and it was such a pain to connect it with never worked that. i know it yeah. still is a little bit of a pain yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's a lot better than it used to yeah. be yeah um all right so we have a couple of things we want to cover before we get into our main theme uh, our daily tip <clears throat> for this week is how to share a Wi-Fi password with a nearby iPhone. Um, this is a feature that came out last year with iOS 12. That have you guys used this much? I love this feature. Mm. Yeah, no,
2: but I, I want to know because I, I could I could especially in my home I'd love to do that.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. So it's really nice if you have if you're visiting somewhere. Um, You know, and a lot of times people have those really long Wi-Fi passwords because they never changed them. Mm -hmm. And what you can do is as long as you're both connected to Wi-Fi and Bluetooth on your devices, if you go to connect to the Wi-Fi network, the other person who's connected before will get a little pop-up that says, would you like to share your Wi-Fi password? And you just tap okay. And it will automatically fill on the other person's phone oh, no. and they're logged in.
1: Yeah. So when you're saying you both need to be connect to Wi-Fi, obviously this is oh, trying to connect to Wi-Fi. Yeah. But what you do is it, the, if you if you go into someone's home or you're in a coffee shop or whatever, you go into the settings on Wi-Fi, you try and when you pull up the like little menu that shows you what to connect, it will pop up on the other person's phone and say, Do you want to share?
0: So sorry, yeah, Wi-Fi enabled. Like you okay. just need to have like your Wi Fi like on so that you can find the network to try to connect but
1: My only yeah. complaint about this, I'm gonna add a bonus complaint since I don't think we're having one this week, <laughs> is I wish you could like preempt it. I wish as the person who has the Wi-Fi password I could just send it to the other person cause it's a little bit, by the time you go to share it, the person's already trying to connect and I think a lot of people are already trying to figure out the password by the time they go to connect. It would be nice if I could, as the person who has the Wi Fi already, just preempt it and send it to them before they ever reach the like Wi Fi connecting stage. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: that would be nice. But oh. um but it's still it's a feature I'm glad they added.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's really nice because it happened to me the other day. We were all in a coffee shop, and I didn't remember the password, but I had connected to it. I was con- my phone was connected to it at the time, and so I could share the password with the- with the person it was actually Sarah. <laughs> oh. uh, I could share the password with Sarah without even knowing the password. So it's it's really useful in that regard as well.
0: Yeah. So this is part of our daily tips newsletter. If you haven't signed up already, you can go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips. And this is our free offering that teaches you something cool you can do with your phone in just less than a minute a day. So it's really painless, free, which is always great. And it's a great way to uh, get acquainted with our company. So go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips if you haven't signed up already. I also want to take a moment to tell you about our premium subscription, to, which is iPhone Life Insider. And that's our full educational service that will help you get the most out of your iOS devices. So I highly recommend it. You get uh, a full library of video guides. We have one on the latest versions of iOS, ones on the iPad, Apple Watch, iPhone 10, all of these different things that will really help you get the most out of your devices. You get a full archive of iPhone Life magazine, and that includes all the full archive of the digital version of iPhone Life magazine. So that means you can read our magazine on any of your iOS devices or on your desktop computer. Uh, We also have an ask an editor feature where you can ask personalized tech questions. And so we'll help lead you to solutions to all those pesky tech problems you're having. And you get the daily tip, of course, and the video version of the daily tip. So you can follow along on your device with a video walkthrough. So if you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount, you can get $5 off a yearly subscription to iPhone Life Insider. And that's a special discount just for podcast listeners.
1: In this episode, if you're an insider, uh, we our bonus special insider content is going to be we're going to talk about our favorite podcast. Uh, Apple Gear, and we're gonna get a little bit deeper into that. Yes, uh, and okay, I forgot to mention yeah. that
0: as part of your Insider subscription, you get the you get premium content, and you also get no ads with the with the podcast. And a little bit of kind of what's upcoming
1: after this two episode arc we're doing, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to dive deep into iOS thirteen and the new phone. So we're gonna have that. It'll be September. Then we'll probably have a rumor roundup episode after that, and then. We'll have the phone announcement, and then, of course, iOS 13 comes out. And with it, you're going to have to relearn a whole new operating system. Mm -hmm. So that's always the time, as you guys know who've been around for a while, we release a guide the day iOS 13 comes out that tells you everything you need to know. So make sure you go subscribe ahead of time uh,
0: at, what is it? iPhoneLife.com slash podcast discount. There you go. (laughs) All right, thanks. Without further ado, let's start talking about the history of iPhone life with Hal. (laughs) So I wanted to start out by asking you, this is just early on in your career, in your book you talked about how you landed a job which might seem unrelated uh, as a social work professor and you talked about kind of the unconventional way that you landed this job and I wanted to see if you could tell us about that and how like that same kind of principle has helped you later in your career All at right. iPhone Life. All
2: right. So I, I actually have a, an interesting background. I have a, three master's degrees <laughs> yeah. in mind, body, and spirit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in mind, uh, computer science, mm-hmm. and in uh, 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 mind, heart, I should say, social work, and in spirit um, from uh, Maharishi International University here in Fairfield, Iowa. And so... Uh, in the early days, I, I had the social work degree, and I was broke, and, uh, I, and I, I've I, always loved teaching. Mm-hmm. And so I just uh, decided uh, I was going to teach social work, even though I really only had a year of counseling experience. So I, 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 I got this interview in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and they really liked me. They flew me down and, and so on, but they... And I made friends with these two um, people that were, um, uh, I would be working with. And, and so they could sort of clue me in what was going. And they said, you know, they're not going to offer you the job because you don't have the experience. <laughs> and so I, uh, my cousin, this is this back when I was in my late hippie days, you know, my <laughs> late 20s. And um, uh, my cousin was going to college. And so I said, I, I was in the Chicago area. And so she drove me down. Uh, she was going to Arizona, and, she, and so I stopped in Las Cruces, walked into the professor's office and said, uh, I'm here, I'm ready, I know you don't have anybody, school starts next week. And, um, um, and he, he was just shocked because, you know, he hadn't offered me the job, it was some mistake. <laughs> and, um, and I said, well, I'm at this motel, and if you decide to hire me, it'll be a good thing. And, um, <laughs> and it'll be a good thing for everybody. And, and the next day, I got the call and got the job.
1: <laughs> wow,
0: yeah, yeah, I love that. I mean that shows the kind of yeah
2: and tenacity what, you had <laughs> and that's what it took to start this business because basically, I knew nothing about publishing, I really didn't know anything about business, and um um i had I had been working at hewlett Packard before I don't do you want should I go into this or yeah, I, yeah well,
0: we'll I'll, yeah, we I'll we can get into that in a minute, because that yeah. was later that you worked at h p right yes after yeah. the this yes, job, but yes, yeah. Yeah. So when did you when did your love of tech begin? Because you, as you said, you ended up at HP a little bit later down the line. What attracted you to become a software engineer? Like what started your love of tech, which is such yeah. a big part of iPhone mm-hmm. life.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's I always loved mathematics when I was in school. I just loved recreational mathematics, I, and then. People have always said, you should think about computer science. And then just practically, I didn't want to be a social worker, it turned out. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so I went back to school in computer science at the University of Illinois. And I got this degree, and I ended up... Working for Hewlett Packard, I you know I was you know I I like gizmos, but there is when I when I was actually at Hewlett Packard when I really fell in love with it, this whole idea of a personal computer. Mm-hmm. They were just coming out with the first at the time we called it PC compatible computer that was like a desktop that you could have for yourself. I mean I mean now we we take this so much for yeah. granted, but can you know? uh, back in the seventies I mean imagine having your own computer and it could do all the power that we can do now. It just it just it was, and so that really excited. And then, then what I really got turned on to was the they came up with the first laptop, mm-hmm. and it was the first la- laptop called the HP Portable, actually eventually Portable Plus, where it was like again, it was like a it was nine pounds, which sounded like a you know <laughs> so I, late. Like, How <laughs> yeah. much are they now? I know it's for like... you, but for us, it was amazing. You could take this thing anywhere, and it was based on, on the same kind of pr- HP was so ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. You know, they had built in you know, uh, solid-state storage, which would, nobody did. And actually, in the, in the 80s and 90s, uh, people stopped doing it with the hard Yeah, mechanical it's amazing. It's come full circle Yeah, now. it's ta- it come full circle. But they, they had the idea right away, because it was the calculator division that created the first yeah, laptop, yeah. the HP calculator division. And, and so uh, I just I just, it just I could have spread, do my spreadsheets and write and, and play games and, and, edit, and I mean it was just amazing you know and even later uh, uh, communicate with others on Compuserve which was the network Wow yeah Do you remember and at the
0: time like not many people had those computers no, right like no, that no. was you I'd were go kind of I'd go to adopter. an airport
2: and people would just stare at me because <laughs> I'd have my laptop and doing work like everybody does and nobody yeah, yeah, had yeah. that.
1: Wow, do yeah. you remember? For the record, it's about yeah. two pounds. Computers about two pounds now. Okay, do you remember <laughs> the specs of this computer? Like how many? Like what was the? How much RAM? How much storage? Oh, it was
2: so like
1: I know orders <laughs> of magnitude less,
2: and it was it seemed like it was huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I don't remember because it was like sixty-four k. I don't know. I remember those kinds of things, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, a, a, a ROMs that were like one hundred and twenty-eight k. I think one hundred twenty-eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're no, not I mean, about I was
1: like in we're my head. About, Okay. In my head, I was scaling about two megabytes, but you're totally right. It yeah, was,
2: yeah, it
0: was yeah, kilobytes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, didn't you say, too, you had a printer that weighed 70 pounds?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> so when I came to Fairfield, um, Hewlett Packard had this most... It was a great company. Um, it was sort of the Apple of today back in the 70s <clears throat> and 80s. And I, and um, it was actually in the 80s, 81, 82, 83, when I worked for HP. Okay. Um, and so when I left... Uh, Hewlett-Packard, they had this great employee purchase program, and I purchased this laptop computer that that I was talking about, the Portable Plus, and the very first laser jet printer, which was 70 pounds.
0: I feel like a little less <laughs> How did you like transport this even to Fairfield? You know,
2: I guess it was just in the back of our car. I, I don't remember. I actually, honeymoon, my honeymoon was leaving Hewlett-Packard in Palo Alto in California and moving into this <laughs> godforsaken place yeah. with, with farms and hmm. pigs and... Flat and Fairfield, Iowa. Yeah, I was from Chicago. Right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but and so our honeymoon was actually driving from Fairfield. I mean, from Palo Alto, California to Fairfield, Iowa.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask you, like, yeah. y- you. So you worked at HP for a few years. For a years, yeah. You decided to move to Fairfield, Iowa, because right. there was this meditation project happening right. here. Right. right. So what, like, what made you? take that leap considering it's like craziness. like as you said it's a lot really, of people like you had you were building yeah. this great career yeah, in yeah, california yeah yeah.
2: yeah yeah you know i you. i had done, it's so funny my family you know i'd done the hippie thing i'd been sort of a social worker mm-hmm. and i finally had this job <laughs> this prestigious job you know i was making good money people you know and um just this notion of um uh this of uh, i had practiced started practicing the transcendental meditation program and it really made a big difference in my life, and, and, um, and this, this promise that maybe if a whole bunch of people got together and meditated, we could actually create an influence of peace in the world. And so that sort of idealism, which I, I've always had, <clears throat> um, and along with uh, so many of these others, which I, I ended up writing about in this book, we, uh, hundreds, actually thousands of people moved to Fairfield, Iowa, where there, this was before the internet. And um, to be part of this World Peace Project and to grow as individually, personally, and develop ourselves. And like your, your mom I was in school with. Yeah. And your dad uh, <laughs> came. And so it's, 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 uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful community, actually, now, because we, it's like this huge family that have been here for like 40 years.
1: And, and so your book, we'll, we'll circle back around sure, to iPhone sure. to, yeah. to Life and how you got started, but your book is basically profiling all the... People who came yeah. here. Yeah,
2: so what happened was, you know, most of us didn't farm. I mean, basically, it was farming and manufacturing. Yeah. Right. It, it was the base. It was just 10,000 people. It was before the Internet. Mm-hmm. And there was no work, really, for us. And if we, so if we wanted to stay in here, we were almost forced to start our own businesses. Mm-hmm. Right. And hundreds of people started their businesses. And there were some incredible businesses. I mean mm-hmm. one business was sold for 350 million dollars, another went public. Mm-hmm. Um, That's pretty amazing. Yeah yeah I mean your dad's business mm-hmm. um, um, it, it, and uh, it just it's just business out uh, are these beautiful businesses of stained glass art? Um, uh, the first infomercials were done here. In fact, <laughs> we, for good or bad, we invented the yeah. term <laughs> infomercial. It's true in Fairfield, Iowa, um, and so there were all these incredible companies that just came from nothing. Mm-hmm. And so that was sort of the impetus of the book. Is I just ran, almost randomly, I took fifteen, but I could have t- I could have written you about your dad, for example, instead of yeah. the fifteen that I the, that I picked, and I just. Talk and what I I teach a course at Maharishi uh, University of Management where I have these entrepreneurs come in and speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, every in fact, you guys come in every come year, in every year, yeah. every year and speak to the class. And um, so I transcribe a video and transcribe them all, and then from that I created this book.
0: So you so you made this decision to move to Fairfield, yeah. and as you said, all these kind of amazing things happened here yes. when yes. people did move here. Yeah, but that was a really big leap of faith because you had a lot going for you in California and I guess I'm just wondering. It was sort of like well, showing up in Las Cruces you know. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it was just,
2: I you, just sort of trusted my gut and just you know something that felt right inside and just went.
0: Like did you ever regret it or doubt it or was it something you just felt no. strongly about?
2: No. Somehow my wife and I, it just we just knew. You know some of these things it just, just like starting our business it, it mm. just somehow it made no rational sense but that I could, we could create a magazine company, a publishing company here when I didn't know anything about any of it. Yeah. And we, I just knew, you know, that that was the right thing to do. Mm.
0: So yeah, let's like fast forward. So you've been in Fairfield for a while. It sounds yeah. like you, you were struggling a little bit. Like, what do I do here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How not, did not you, not a farmer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How did you come I was a, up with the idea? Yeah, for yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I was a comu- I
2: was actually a computer salesman for Computerland oh of gosh. Batumwa, <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> and I wasn't happy. Mm. <laughs> and, um, so, anyways, I was I was since I was a software engineer, you know, I had this seventy pound lap, a uh, uh, laser jet, and this this uh, nine pound laptop, and they weren't communicating with each other, even though they were from HP. I couldn't do all the fancy fonts and stuff, and so I wrote a software driver to be able to so that I could com- have the to uh, do what I wanted on the laser jet with my laptop. Right. And, um, and then I thought, how am I going to sell this? <laughs> I mean, how many people in the world, you know, have a laser jet and a laptop, <laughs> and how the heck would I ever be able to reach them? Yeah,
0: Right, before the days of the Internet.
2: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so then the idea came, well, why don't I do a magazine, or a newsletter at the time I called it, for people with this laptop. I love this laptop. I knew there were all these people that had, wanted to... That were professionals, really head of the curve kind of folks that had bought the laptop, but really didn't know how to, how to really get the most out of it. Mm-hmm. And so the idea just came: I'm going to do this newsletter.
0: So that's <laughs> like the early idea that we have today, still like getting the most out of your device, yes, even though it's, it's the not... same. It's yeah. the, I,
2: you know I. I we published the first issue in 1985, December of 1985. It's the same magazine. I hate to say this, I know as, good, as wonderful as you are, it's a, it's a lot better done, Donna, thanks to <laughs> you. But, but it's 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 um, it's the same thing. It's how-to's. It's software that you know that makes your and gear that makes your system work better. Mm-hmm. And so it's just and and it's user stories. And that's mm-hmm. where we were always very user-centric when we did the magazine.
1: Well, and I think the other thing at the heart of it is it's enthusiasts. Like, yes. we're Yes. Writing for the people who are passionate about yes. learning how to get more out of it, and yeah. that, that yeah, origin yes. has been there from the beginning. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, now, yeah. of course, a lot more people have iPhones, <laughs> yes. so we have a lot of enthusiasts, but yeah, it's still yeah. the same thing. Yes, yes.
0: So, what was it like? Because, as you said, you didn't have any publishing experience, like, you didn't really yeah. know how to start the company. Like, how, how did that go for you? <laughs> well, two
2: things that happened that made it work. First was um, I'd sent out this mailing uh, with all these tips and tricks oh, I'd gotten hewlett Packard bless them. They have this really wonderful uh have this really wonderful philosophy, and they really helped start Silicon Valley um, because when people would leave their company instead of um making it hard for them, they said, well, if it doesn't work out, come on back and uh, we'll work with you. And, and so a lot of these people started their own companies, and mostly in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. And so I was starting my own company and they let me have the, the registration cards of these um, uh, uh, of people who bought the portable. Mm-hmm. And so with that, I studied wow. all the direct mailing pieces I could get my hand on and found the ones that would appeal to me and mm-hmm. ended up creating, creating a direct mailing piece and i and i and i included a whole bunch of tips and tricks and so i get this phone call or not phone call letter back with four pages of thick double sided typed remember uh, tips and tricks no he maybe he did it with his i don't remember how he did it but anyways <laughs> i think he used his thinkjet Jet. and any anyway so um, and the guy's from Ankeny, Iowa. Oh, i Oh, wow. Thought, My gosh, how could you be from Ankeny, Iowa? And he says, this is great, another Iowan doing it, but I think I know this stuff. I don't need it. So I immediately got on the phone, called him up, and I said, how'd you like to write for us? <laughs> and he said, sure. And I said, oh, but I can't pay you. <laughs> <laughs> and so, sure. And so actually, he wrote for me for 15 years, every single issue for what we continued to wow. do. And then other people started calling in, and they, we, I mean, I was just me answering the phone when people wanted to subscribe to the to this newsletter, and we'd start talking and about the how they used it, and they got this piece of software to work and everything, and I said, great, why don't you write it up, but I can't pay you, <laughs> <laughs> and so that's how we started we, for many years. Um, I mean, th- one of the changes you guys did was make the content a little, a little more professional in terms of well-written. But
0: We're so we paying a, our writers.
1: Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we do pay, pay our writers. Yeah. writers yeah. You know, yes, yeah. It was a big moment. I remember it was yes. very controversial when we decided yeah, to pay our yeah. writers. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone on the editorial staff felt more strongly about it. we like, we have to pay.
1: <laughs> Less controversial on the yeah. editorial staff.
2: But for, but, but for, in my defense, <laughs> we've got these doctors and lawyers and folks that, Actually, were able to leverage the fact that they were writing for the computer publication um, to create their own kind of um, mm-hmm. consulting companies and so on. So oh, a lot yeah. of people, people really benefited from being able to write for us. Oh, absolutely! Right. And then through the many years, that's what until you guys took over. Really, we had all uh, even our blog site was all just volunteer
1: mm-hmm. – uh, writers and so on. Yeah, our motto used to be for users by users. Yeah, yeah.
0: So once you sent that direct mailing and yeah. you had subscribers.
1: Well,
2: let me just tell you one thing that was amazing. I okay. didn't know. I, when I say I didn't know anything about business, I didn't know anything about business. And I didn't realize that a one or two percent response would have been really good. Mm-hmm. But right. I only had 2,000 names and one or two percent response wouldn't have done anything. <laughs> yeah. 20 percent of the people I mail to sent me $55 for this non-existent magazine in the (laughs) middle of Iowa. It's incredible. That's yeah. amazing.
1: I mean, this is the part of the story that I always just, my jaw drops. Because yeah. you're absolutely right. Like, yeah. one, two percent. That yeah. would have been, like, a great success yeah, story. Yeah, 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 Except for Which, it wouldn't have been because you yeah, wouldn't yeah. have gotten started.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What do you attribute that to? Just that you found the right people or just that was the right time to be doing direct mailings at that point in time that was more effective yes, than it is? to all of
2: it. Just luck. <laughs> 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 no, it was the right people. You know, these are, I mean, Hewlett-Packard had these, you'd think Apple enthusiasts were something. Hewlett-Packard enthusiasts were really Mm-hmm. I mean, this, Hewlett-Packard was known for high price but high quality, gotcha. and they just created the greatest uh, pieces of, of, of equipment, and it was just the right timing, and the, just, it was just good fortune, and, and I, I happen to think, I think having the, the meditation and the, pop and the actual being in this community with this purpose actually had an influence too. Because it wasn't just me that had these crazy, ridiculous, miraculous things happen. Uh, you just read this book, and you'll see all the things hmm. that happened that shouldn't have happened and made yeah. no sense of happening.
0: So when when you got this twenty percent response rate, then I then... started cashing checks
2: because <laughs> I didn't. We were almost out of money.
0: <laughs> so what? How did you go about creating your first issue?
2: So. You know, I had gotten all the articles I, between myself and other people, got them, but the problem was I really didn't know the actual layout and printing and all that stuff. And so a good friend of mine, George Foster, uh, I call, he was an artist. He de- mm-hmm. I mean, like a painting artist, you know. <laughs> and he decided to survive. He better become a graphic artist, you know. <laughs> and so I said, hey, George, um, do you know, I'm, I've got to create this newsletter. And I've got to send it out to people. How do I do that? Can you do that for me? And he, George said, sure, I can do that for <laughs> <laughs> And of course, George had no clue how to yeah. do that. <laughs> and so the actual, the, I'm not exaggerating here. The actual first issue, uh, it took us three and a half days and nights. We didn't sleep. I mean, we just crashed for an hour or two on occasion to produce the first issue. Because back then, it wasn't creating a PDF. Yeah. It was like these boards, and you, you had to have special type with a special machine. And that did you got buy re- all that equipment? No, no, no. There was another fellow, Ron Flora, who was had this typesetter machine. And I had already entered all the information in the computer, and you couldn't even transfer it. So he had to wow. re-enter all that information for oh the first God. issue. George would spec with the fonts. He'd print out these white sheets of glossy paper with the type and then he'd paste it on the board and then he'd come to me and said, isn't this great? And, he, and you're not going to have any corrections, are you? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Anybody who knows me, yeah. I, I, I always have corrections. <laughs> I always want to change things. And so poor George is actually literally going in the waste back, basket, finding J's that would substitute for the T's and oh, going man. back to the typesetter so he'd print out this thing so it would fit in this little spot. And, and this is why I took, one of the reasons why I took three <laughs> half days and nights. Wow. And so and then we Got sent the first issue out and that was that was and, the first issue
1: and as an aside George yeah. kept doing the covers yes. of the magazines uh, he probably did layout for all of it for yeah. a while right
2: Yeah. oh yeah he laid it out for about four or five years yeah
1: and he like <laughs> up until 2012 2013 did the covers of the magazines ended up having a career doing book covers yes yes Yes. so this got George's career going
2: too
0: yeah, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah it's pretty wild I feel like One question I wanted to ask you is like technology changes so fast. Mm -hmm. It's a challenging industry to get into in a lot of ways because you have to be really able to adapt. How did you, like as HP started coming out with different devices, and then, you know, how did you manage to adapt and survive?
2: Yeah, well, it not only did the – it was two things that changed. The technology of publishing changed constantly. Oh, yeah. Mm. And the things that we were writing about changed. And so the favorite or the niche that we happened to be in – And one of the things that we did was we've always done that was very unique, and everybody would always ask, why are you doing that? We only covered one platform at a time. Mm -hmm. You know, people say, Well, why don't you like probably you get the question, why don't you cover all all phones? Oh yeah. And so we always felt, let's go deep into something. Let's Mm -hmm. not be let's not just be a buyer's guide, let's really show people how to use these machines. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was in the around nineteen ninety, um Hewlett Packard I, I had sort of made buddies and they they called me up and you know, don't tell anybody I said this, but we're gonna stop making this laptop that you've been writing about for,
0: <laughs> oh, no. for five
2: years and and um, we're gonna create this new handheld size, you know actually iPhone size little clamshell uh, palm top the, mm-hmm. the HP 200, it turned out to be something called the HP 200 LX palm top and um, I, you know, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're, you're gonna do. And, and to me, it was really good news. Hmm. Because instead of people having to buy a 3000 to $4,000 laptop, they were gonna buy a $700 palm top.
0: Mm, more accessible
2: to Yeah, people. and we could get a lot more customers. And, and Hewlett Packard liked us a lot. They really liked the quality of what we were doing. They, and one of the things that we had managed to, the big, 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 big deal for us was that every time somebody bought an HP laptop, there was a brochure yeah. about us for a free issue. And so they were willing, in some conversations, to do the same thing for their new palm top. Mm. And so we grew from 2,000 subscribers to 20,000 subscribers. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And we had also, I don't want to get into it too much, but we actually ended up having a business buying and selling those laptops, those big... Because people would, they'd come out, Hewlett-Packard would come out with this another $3,000 laptop that was so much better than the other one. And people who had been ahead of the curve had already bought this first laptop. So we ended up buying and selling those laptops as mm-hmm. part of our business. So wow. we'd buy them back from our customers and then resell them. And so that was a business that actually helped sustain the magazine in mm-hmm. a lot of ways.
0: You also mentioned <laughs> that you, something about selling software. Yes, um, yes, yes. So, so people like, would call you. did yeah. you have, was the magazine or the newsletter enough to like make a living off no, of? No, no, no,
2: no, no, no. We use okay. the news, newsletter actually more as a vehicle to, to um, uh, although that was the heart of what we did, heart and soul of what we did. Um, people would call us and say, I got this great piece of software to work on, On I got this great word processor or this great spelling checker to work on the uh, HP laptop or later the HP palm top. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we'd write it up in the magazine, but a lot of the people weren't, didn't want to go through all the headaches. And so we'd create a little package with that software with the add-on disks and, and instructions so it was easily for them to install it oh, on. Wow. And so mm. we ended up creating, uh, we had apps and we, I mean at one point we had 25, 30 people, you know, that would work, were working for us doing different things.
0: Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to hear a little bit just about the values that you established while doing the business and then Hear about how like Microsoft came into the picture and how yeah. we'll end with the near demise of the company <laughs> before we start in next episode and yes. we'll to the cliffhanger, cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of how the company was saved from the ashes. Yes. Yes. But um, so you you talk about at one point you had like a pivotal moment in the company where you could have gone one way or the other and you chose the more honorable way. Yeah,
2: yeah, that was a that's actually a, a, probably my proudest moment. Was was that? Was um, it, this was ve- very back at the beginning, and he, you know we had done this great twenty percent response rate from registration cards, but people now and people then never mailed in their registration cards, so we couldn't get enough registration cards to really have a sustainable business. Mm-hmm. And this was before we started buying and selling those equipment and the <laughs> apps and everything. And so uh, I I had friends back at Hewlett Packard that was. Uh, who were in support, because I actually helped out my last month or so in, in, in HP technical support. Mm. And I was friendly with the, with the guy who was the general manager of that division. And I called him up and I said, listen, I've got this great magazine. He said, oh, yeah, I know about it. I love it. It's great. <laughs> and I said, well, let's get it to your all the people that are calling support. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, Hal, I'd really like to help you out. But we have this particular policy where we can't give out the names and addresses of the people who, would, um, who, who called in support. Mm-hmm. And so I said, uh, you know, I started talking to some of my friends <laughs> that work there, you yeah. know. I think I no, now that I remember, I was actually physically in the building. I went, and v- went back to San Francisco or Palo, it was uh, Cupertino and visited them. And I was talking to one of the guys who used to work with me. Mm-hmm. and um, told them the situation, and then I got back to Fairfield and um, I get this huge unmarked envelope of, of this, this is the old days with the printouts <laughs> and everything, and it's yeah. like every page is 9,000 names wow. of HP portable users mm-hmm. um, who would all benefit from our magazine, at least knowing about it, mm-hmm. and the thing was that HP would have benefited because when you have enthusiastic knowledgeable customers they're better customers i mean just like yeah. the people who subscribe to iphone life apple benefits oh, yeah. from it and so um it was like a w- and then i'd be able to employ more people which was part of my job part of my mission here in fairfield because i wanted people to be part of this world peace project and so it was like just this win 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 thing everybody won but we got these names from not in a very good way <laughs> and so um my wife and I talked about it. And actually, I give credit to my wife. I don't know if I had, would have had the fortitude as much as she did, but she said, you know, we can't do this. We don't, you don't want to start this business uh, based on a lack of integrity. And I didn't. And, wow. so, and so we created, we had this little two bedroom house um, and we had this burn thing, you know, burn barrel. Mm-hmm. And so we lit a fire and we just page by page, we wow. did it in a ceremony, we burned, <laughs> we put the pages in the, in the, in the incinerator and uh, we destroyed all those names. Wow. And we didn't think we'd have a business. And we th- you know, and we had a little bit, of, you know, did we really do the right thing? But <laughs> 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 I know yeah. you should yeah. have just thrown it all in each yeah. page. Yeah, that yeah, sounds yeah. hard. <laughs> but but then then these opportunities with the used handhelds and the apps and all this other just mm-hmm. just sort of came came about. Mm-hmm. But but I, that was the thing that I really f- feel like set the foundation for this company. And mm-hmm. I'm so pleased with you guys in terms of having that same sense of Integrity and doing what's right, and also being customer centric, which yeah. was always a big, big part of our, what we were doing well and that's yeah. the other thing I yeah.
1: wanted to say that yeah. in terms of like hal's values and something that he's always excelled at is just you hear it and throughout this entire story, you know I had a friend here, I had a friend there. <laughs> you were like one of the best networkers i've ever met, and to this day because i'll still go in and take some customer service calls here and there. And everyone knows you. (laughs) Like, people think, like, oh, I talked to Hal 20 years ago. (laughs) And it's like, you know, everyone at HP, everyone, you know, all the customers. You had this way. Some of your advertisers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. our advertisers, our vendors. You had this way of sort of befriending everyone. And it's due to the integrity that really started the business. Yeah, yeah, you know?
2: that and, and sort of an inclusive attitude. Yeah. Like one, of my, one of my philosophies for when we did uh, the HP and then uh, when we did Microsoft-based uh, support was that we wanted to support everybody, even mm-hmm. if it was, didn't seem to be in our best interest. Mm-hmm. So like we would even, like we'd have other websites and we'd have a, a place for them on our website uh, or, and, and people who didn't advertise, we'd have a place for them on our website and our, our magazine, uh, um, I made friends with our magazine rivals, um, uh, and invited them to, to do stuff with us. And mm-hmm. so it was always, I always had this, our fundamental goal was to it, it make the ecosystem, everybody benefit from our
1: existence. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Absolutely.
0: That's pretty amazing. Yeah, you you mentioned in your book too You see that you had something up on your wall that yeah. like your three main values yes, that yes. you said would be an embarrassment if you weren't living by them. So you <laughs> had it up on the wall. Like, what were they and yeah, why? yeah,
2: Yeah, so so I had it um, uh, bliss, knowledge, and do right. And bliss meant um, we should be cre- the the environment uh, of the people who work for us should be happy and our customers should be happy. And um, knowledge, we're, we're a teaching company. We're, we want our employees to learn and we want to teach our customers. And do right is sort of that integrity. We just always do what we know is right, even ahead of uh, a gains. And so that was sort of a core philosophy. And I'd have it big up on my wall because, you know, it's easy to talk right now. But <laughs> when you're in the day-to-day battles and things aren't oh, going yeah. right, it's so easy to cut corners. And mm-hmm. one of the things that, that I think you guys do a better job than I did with those three. Hmm. I really do. Espe- especially the, the, the joy that's in this, in this uh, company and in the, in the camaraderie that when I, ever, when I come to the meetings once a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really, it just feels really good.
0: Yeah. Well, before we wrap up this episode, I think yeah. we you should... Uh, take you, you to the edge? T- yeah. Take us to the edge. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us what happened next.
2: All right. So um, so Hewlett-Packard, um, every, even though people love this HB Palm Top, and believe it or not, today, this is a 1992 unit. Mm-hmm. We still have a side business buying and selling and repairing these hp 200 LX oh palm gosh. tops because wow. they were these DOS computers that solved a certain kind of problem uh-huh. that still hasn't been solved today huh. with other, but, and they're AA batteries. But anyways <laughs> we, um, the, I, got, I became friends with the uh, head of the uh, division. Hewlett Packard moved from Corvallis, Oregon, where this uh, computer division, to Singapore and one of the neat things was I got to travel a lot to Singapore but and uh, through Asia. But um, I became friendly with him, and he said, you know, the Palm Top's just not making it. We're going to go with Microsoft, because Microsoft figured it out with the desktop and having an operating system where every all the different players could be part of it. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to do the same for handhelds. And so the idea was there would be a, 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 a Windows equivalent to... Uh, for handheld computers, for palm tops, for what soon were to be fu- smartphones. And so they introduced me to Microsoft, and to make a very long story short, we started doing a, a magazine about Microsoft pocket PCs and smartphones and pocket PCs. So we jumped for, to a whole new company, not only mm-hmm. a new technology, but a whole new to- a company. And that's like a huge thing because we're this little player. And we're all of a sudden hooking our wagon and have to understand the culture and to be able to so on. And, and again, this is a whole other thing, and it's in the book. I'm not going to go into it. But um, we ended up having a magazine called Smartphone and Pocket PC for a number of years from 2000 to – actually from 1999 to 2008 that would support the Microsoft users of, mm-hmm. of, of, of these devices and then the internet was coming into be and just one real quick thing that we did that i'm so proud of was that we did something every year there were, this was before they had app stores and before they had a lot of reviews and it was when software cost 80 bucks or 90 60 bucks or you know for an app wow and there was no way to review it. there was people didn't know mm-hmm. and so we started like these software awards and every year we'd, it would, we'd have more apps, and it got to be a huge, huge thing. But we involved everybody. We involved other web masters. We involved Microsoft. We involved mm-hmm. um, app developers, and everybody would be voting. And we developed a system where people would vote for the best software. Wow! And and we'd get customer feedback, and a whole uh, uh, infrastructure created for judges who voted. And anyway, so we did that, and so we were, you know, we're going along pretty good and it's 2006 and things are all right 2007 and then the, you know this guy steve jobs you know <laughs> <laughs> he gets on a stage and says you know we've got the be all and the end all and and most of us who'd been in the industry forever you know and and here's the here is the thing Everybody from the 90s were saying these things were going to be ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to have one of these smart devices. devices. At the time, they weren't phones, but they're smart devices. Right. And um, everybody knew it, but nobody seemed to be able to pull it off. And by the the mid-2000s, people were actually giving up.
1: Yeah, like 3D TVs. Now we've all given up on 3D TVs. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And then this guy, Steve Jobs, comes up and says, yeah, we've got this great new device. It's the best thing in the world. Yes, you can't remove the battery. There's no stylus. A um, hundred things that were not in the way people thought about. No what,
1: keyboard. No
2: keyboards. Right. Thank you. Yes, all these things that we just knew had to be in these um, mm-hmm. weren't in. There was no app store at the time, so you couldn't even install apps. And, um, uh, and so we just sort of yawned a little bit, and, and we kept going, and... And, and, and the iPhone started taking the world by storm. Yeah. And then 2008 comes. And 2008, as you may recall, was not a good year economically. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so here we are, we're supporting, and, and people just stopped buying Microsoft devices. They just stopped mm-hmm. and they started buying iPhones. Mm-hmm. And so the economy is collapsing. Our market is collapsing. And from a company of 15, 20 people, I keep having to, and I never wanted to let anybody go. I was very, yeah. I just was very people oriented. You know, we, we got down to almost nobody mm-hmm. and, and tune in next week okay. <laughs> to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Real quick before we, because it's actually two weeks, oh, we're going to make people wait. How do, how do people get your book? Okay,
2: so you g- go to Amazon. Okay. That's the easiest way.
0: Meditating entrepreneurs we will have a link in our show notes if you go to iPhoneLife.com/slash podcast.
2: And I have to say the fun part, it's it's available a print, ebook, but all the entrepreneurs read their stories, almost all of them. And mm-hmm. we have another meditating entrepreneurs that's that's one of the um, most well-known voice uh, Jeffrey Hedquist, voice people in, in town, and so he helped. Yeah, he's re- great. Yeah, he we did it at the studios, and he read some of the introductions and conclusions, and a few of the entrepreneurs that didn't read theirs, and so the audiobook is great, and so is the whole thing, I, and it's inspiring. It's, re, it's not about meditation. That's the groundwork. It, I mean, there, it is about meditation in the sense that it's sort of Underneath the surface, but it's really about what it takes to start a business from nothing mm-hmm.
1: So I will link to it at iPhone life.com slash podcast. We have a question of the week, which yes. is How did you discover iPhone life? What how did you come into this? Did you come back way back in the HP days? We have people who still say they've been around since you know the 80s uh, And or did you come into it from iPhone life? Let us know send us an email podcast yeah. at iPhone life.com We'd love to hear from you Great.
0: Yes, and so we will resume the story next episode, and thank you so much for joining us.